Hello, yummy mummies. Welcome to Beyond the Bump, a podcast brought to you by Jade Caldwell and Sophie Pierce. This podcast is targeted at mums, mums to be, and women in general. And gents, feel free to have a listen too. It's a place to have real discussions and ask real questions, no matter how hard, with honest and authentic people. The aim is to have you feeling lighter, more supported, and more understood after every listen. Now, we can't promise that it will always be kept PG, so please be mindful around little ears. Here we go. J.D. Pooh, how are you today? I am absolutely frazzled. <laughs> Tell me about it. <laughs> I accidentally took the wrong medication at the wrong time. Like I, I usually take one in the morning and one at night and I've swapped them and I feel like I just, I feel so out of it and it's not supposed to be, I'm not supposed to actually take it like that. And when I spoke to my doctor, he's like, wow, yeah, you're going to feel really, really crap today, but just, just know it's okay. So yeah, my brain is mush. I don't even know why I'm here. And what are we doing? <laughs> <laughs> well, for the third time, no, my brain is mush too. And I don't have incorrect medication to blame <laughs> for that. I have just, I mean, we were talking about it before. It's just that crazy time before Christmas. And I think with our line of work lots of brands want promotion mm. prior to Christmas and yeah turns out end of November start of December and also is a time deadlines are manic like people need deadlines for you know before they all leave work and you know yeah. so pretty much it's the last two weeks that we have to get everything done before that's it yeah, I look at the rest of this week and then next week and I'm like, I can't even look at the calendar. But November 28th, I'm flying to Melbourne Woo-hoo! to see the fam and as much as I'll still do a little bit of work down there to get the rest of the podcast out for the year mm-hmm. because then we are taking a month-long break, which I think we have well and truly oh, earned. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like once I get to Melbourne, at least I'll then have the support of my family. Some other things will have calmed down. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, but I'm super excited to go down. Just got to get through the next two weeks. I feel like our brains feel very similar right oh, now. Mirror image right now. All right, give me a high then, high of your week. Yeah, but okay, look, I know I've already spoken to you about this and Nick is like, can you seriously stop telling every freaking man and his dog? I got my period back. Woohoo! I'm not going to say it's the high of the week because that would be an extremely sad week if the high was getting your period. But I would say it's the most monumental thing of my week. But tell everyone why and what you've done this week. With Poppy, I got my period back around 10 months. And so I was like, okay, around the 10-month mark, I'll expect to get it back. Goldie's 10-month birthday, woke up in the morning, boom, had my period. Mm. Anyway, so the big thing about it is that I made a pact with myself while I was waiting for it to come over the last 10 months that I was going to try a menstrual cup when it came back. Cue eye roll from Jade. (laughs) And so I was like, I mean, it came and it was unexpected and I didn't have anything else. So I was like, well, you're going to have to give it a go and I've been giving it a try and I'm really proud of myself and it's going well. It definitely takes some adjusting. But if I think back to, you know, like when I first got my period and I started using a tampon, like, well, shit, that took some adjusting too. But I think it's going quite well. Now you can put bottles up there and you're fine. Bottles? You've gone from tampons to suction cups and next week it'll be bottles. You'll be like, yeah, (laughs) whatever, let's put everything up there. 
We're all raring to go. It's just practice. I'm hoping that's not what I'm setting myself up for. But I will say that the removal of it is really taking some time to get used to. Not because of spillage, just because it does suction on and I'm still yet to get an like an easy breezy tactic on how to release the seal. So the first time I took it out, yeah, there was some panicking. I was like fuck this is just attached to me <laughs> that makes my like my my bits shrivel up I feel so like I don't know what it is about the thought of having it's almost like I need to try it to see if or get over my weirdness about a cup a menstrual cup I think I you won't. need to try it I mean I'm not gonna share mine with you we share a lot of things but I think a cup is one of those things that you can probably get your own yes unlike the vibrator you know that's sweet to share. <laughs> I'm fine with that just get a baby one, <laughs> a baby one. <laughs> but yeah the cup maybe you're on your own to get that so I, like I'm, I don't know if that's a high of the week but it's been monumental I'm really excited to have my cycle back I feel like libido wise I've just been plateauing for 10 months so maybe this is the kicker I need to get back in the swing of things. This is baby number three. Baby number three is not coming yet. <laughs> and then the Pending. low of the week is definitely just constant low level anxiety about what I have decided to book in over the next two weeks, but that's fine because then Saturday the 28th, that's what we're aiming for. Oh, I'm so excited for you. It's going to be amazing. And now tell me, high of your week. Oh, actually, no, I have been really productive and I've been proud of myself. I have. I've been like just ticking you have boxes been. off left, right and centre. I have like a, I've got a monthly planner. I have a weekly planner and I have a daily planner. And I know for some that seems like, whoa, that's just too much to even comprehend. But I have so much going on with work and other bits in my life that everything needs to be either written down or planned out or in my phone. And it has literally just lessened or lowered the anxiety of my day-to-day because I have it all there and I can actually go to sleep going, yep, checking this, know what to do, don't feel like an idiot, I can do this and deal with it tomorrow. And I've been doing really well apart from today. So, yeah. No, you have been on fire. You have been keeping me in line because I have Thank been you. all over Which the shop. Which is very rare. It's okay. We're going to, we're just going to embrace it while we can. Yeah. But you really got your burst at the exact right time because your well, you burst came as mine just kind of fell apart. 2021, imagine if we just balance out the seesaw, what could happen? Talked about Milo about Milo. Yum, I'm hungry. No, but <laughs> <laughs> no, Milo about my stuff up today. That was probably Milo. Yeah. Because I've been fabulous all week. You have now. been really fabulous. Good on you. Thank so you. let's talk about this episode. So in this episode, Bobby, we Bobby. chatted to Bobby Clark, who is an artist. She's Scottish. She's Scottish and she is the mum of beautiful little James. And we chatted all about becoming a mother, but we talked for quite some time about the fact that before she had James, she had an ectopic pregnancy. Mm. Uh, quite a lot of our listeners have said, have asked if we planned on having stories about ectopic pregnancy. So here you go, because we do know that it is relatively common and is talked about even less than miscarriage. 
stages. So we feel for you, you probably feel unsupported. But yeah, so it was interesting to hear her journey through that. Mm, It was so interesting. And she is the, I've never, I didn't know who Bobby was until we spoke to her and she is the funniest, most interesting person. She says how she feels and we were laughing the entire way through. So we really hope you enjoy this episode as much as we did. And there's a lot of dildo content in this episode. So much You'll know when you hear it. You know how I was saying about Sophie, about, you know, bottles going in, it's kind of along the lines of that, working your way up. (laughs) Let me just say that. And Bobby was considering asking us to take it out. So we want all of our listeners to message her and thank her for allowing us to keep the dildo content in the episode because we know it is going to give you all a laugh. And all you need to do is just comment a eggplant emoji on our episode tile or on any of her posts and she'll know what you mean. We hope you enjoy it. All right, Bobby, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. Before we get started, are you able to tell us a little bit about yourself and your beautiful family? Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. I love that I've opened the floodgates for our podcast now because I love chatting. Um, I am an artist and a photographer, and I'm originally from Scotland, if you couldn't already tell. Um, I live in Melbourne with my husband, who is a sculptor, and our baby boy called James, who I will eventually call Jimmy when he grows into it and he's nine and a half months old amazingly thanks so much for joining us and jade has already put in a warning that she has a tendency to take on people's uh, accents halfway through a conversation so if i'm speaking with two scottish people later on in the episode we apologize me. me. i don't know why i just do it it's like uh i guess it's a a talent of mine (laughs) i like it I look forward to it. Now, can you tell us a little bit about your journey to becoming a mother? Well, me and Steve have been together a long time. We can't actually remember whether it's 14 or 15. And I can't be arsed doing the maths, but a long time. And we got engaged after like six years. Was it six years? I think so. It was a long time. Everyone's like, guys, come on. So we kind of take our time to do everything. We were married for my timelines are hilarious I never know times about two or more years two three years and I was like okay I've been ready to have a baby since I was like 12 slight exaggeration so I was just patiently waiting on him to catch up like come on like I'm getting older he's two years older than me so he was he always said we'll have a baby by the time I'm 35 and I was like are you for real that's so long away but Stephen is a really good manifester so anything that he says it's gonna happen is gonna happen so I was like right fine we'll just have a baby when we're fucking 35 but we did start trying two maybe three years ago and we fell pregnant first try and then at the eight week scan uh was no symptoms I was like this pregnancy thing is fucking easy I'm not even being sick um I'm, I'm awesome I'm just the same went to the scan and then obviously I just as soon as I lay on that bed I just had this feeling and I went to video, obviously, because all our families on the other side of the world. So I was like, oh, Steve, can you video this to show our parents? And she went, mm, no. And I went, oh. And I went, it's ectopic, like isn't it? And she went, yeah. I just had this weird feeling. Why? I don't know. I just, as soon as I lay in this bed, I had no idea, obviously, but I don't know what it is. It's a look on her face and fun, like weird things where things ectopic kept kind of coming in my head I kept seeing things places and reading about stories of people who had ectopic pregnancies and I just remember going 
yeah, it's ectopic. It's like too good to be true. We fell pregnant in first go. Like I told people early when you're not supposed to, which I'm actually glad I did because I had the support there. But I was like, I just had this feeling and she told us and I was like, fuck. And it was, sorry, I'm going to swear a lot, guys. I know it's not a kid's podcast, but so it's fine. Just hearing that, I was absolutely devastated. And I was like, shit. And I kind of didn't have time to think about it because she's like, are you in pain? do you feel okay and I'm like I'm absolutely fine like until I lay on this bed I kind of thought everything was fine it was weird when you said it. I just had a clicking kind of feeling but I'm absolutely fine she's like okay you have to go from here straight to emergency right now I was like okay so from then it was just like really intense I had all these decisions to make I'll interject quickly because there might be some people who don't know what an ectopic is I mean I think that miscarriage is starting to get a lot of the limelight it deserves nowadays but that's why I'm so surprised you were like oh I thought I was having an ectopic because I just think that is such a random and unless you had heaps of pain it's such a random thing yeah. to assume but do ectopic, you want me to explain, explain it what an okay is, yeah. so my version or my take on what an ectopic pregnancy is is that the egg actually gets stuck in the fallopian tube. I called fallopian with an M. Fallopian <laughs> tube and it doesn't actually go where it's supposed to be. So it can, if it sits there for too long, actually damage your one of those tubes and you might have it cut out. Yes. So it is when it's it's actually not the egg, it's the embryo. So it like has been a fertilized egg and it, it's when it's anywhere outside of the uterus, but most commonly in the fallopian tube. And it can actually be extremely dangerous and people often, but not always, as Bobby's saying, have a lot of pain with it. So if you're pregnant and you haven't had a scan yet and you've got a lot of pain, you should go and get it checked out because wow. it could mean that the baby or the fetus is in the wrong spot but yeah it can be really dangerous because they can rupture so I assume that's why you were taken straight to hospital. Ectopic pregnancies don't survive obviously because they're in the fallopian tube they're not in the right place you can't take them out and transplant it and most of the time you lose your fallopian tubes. I think there is instances where they can actually operate and take it out but you're guaranteed to go left the scar tissue so you're going to pretty much have a faulty tube but in the during the scan I was actually told and I was like please don't be in my fucking uterus please like don't be half in it so actually at the time when I had my scan she was like "Mm, it's looking like it's embedded almost inside the uterus but in the fallopian tube so there is a chance you're going to lose your uterus and your fallopian tube. So I was like, great, went from being pregnant to fucking infertile within five minutes. This is awesome. And then they had to actually get me to sit in the waiting room and wait and call the hospital and get everything organized. So I was sitting hysterical, pretty much told I was infertile. That was the, the baby wasn't alive. And I had to just sit hysterical in the waiting room for like 20 minutes. And Steve was like, try and calm down. I was like, fuck off. I was like, I can't calm down. So anyway, got rushed to the hospital had to wait until the following morning to get a scan because by that point, I think my scan was at 3.30. So by the time I got to the hospital, all of the scan technicians had actually went home. So I had to be monitored really closely every 20 minutes to check for rupturing. So it was like, I couldn't even sleep. I was getting like poked and prodded every 20 minutes. And obviously this whole time thinking, I'm going to lose my uterus. Like, how can this happen? How can I go from being so happy? Like, it's literally my dream. And actually, we'd been in Byron Bay just before my eight-week scan 
I think I was probably, I was maybe only a week or two before. And I remember flying back from Byron and being like, I actually think I'm feeling like true happiness. I think the plane's going to crash because I've never felt as happy in my life. I don't think you can get it. So I text Steve on takeoff and I was like, just in case I die, I'm really happy. I feel like I've got too much. Like, I feel like something's really going to fuck up like this plane. So if I die, I'm really happy. And it's weird because why would I think that? But anyway, I just remember thinking that in the hospital, like it was all too good to be. No, I felt that before when I felt too much joy and I go, this is too good to be, you know, you're always told if something's too good to be true, it probably is. And that's uh, like, I know how morbid that sounds because generally you can just have pure happiness without something shit happening. But I've had that. It's so unsettling where you go, nah, everything's lining up too well right now. Mm. So I'll just skip to the next day because it's a long story. Um, Anyway, so the morning I got in for like a nine o'clock scan I went in and the technician was like, great news. Well, not great news. It's not in your uterus. It is in your fallopian tube. So I was like, oh, I'm like, Jesus. But they went, you're probably going to have to lose this. And I was like, I just don't know why. I just did not want to let go of that tube. I was like, I am not, no, I'm not losing the tube. So they said, there's two options. You can take methotroxate, which is a chemotherapy drug, which will make your body have... A chemical induced miscarriage but you'll be extremely toxic for three months you won't be able to have sex basically for three months you won't be able to try again for about a year all this shit and I was like or you can go for an operation which I've never even been in hospital I've like broke my leg once years ago so I'd never been in hospital overnight so I was like the thought of an operation and losing a tube at once I was like no I want the drug and Steve was like it's your body I support you whatever decision you make but a chemotherapy drug and having all that toxic chemical in your system and he went and then the chance of you then having an ectopic again because of the the scar tissue on that tube is extremely high do you think it's worth it and I was like no I'm doing the drug I don't care and I went you just go home I'm going to be here for hours they're just going to give me the drug I'm going to then I'll phone you when I've got it because there's no point in you sitting in this uncomfortable chair. I'll phone you when I need you, like go and do your thing. So he leaves and then literally as soon as he left, one of the doctors came in and she was like, where's your husband? And I was like, I sent him home. And she went, get him back here right now. I was like, okay. So I texted him and I was like, you need to get back here right now. And he's like, fuck, I'm like, what's happening? He's like, I'm fucking 10, 15 minutes away. And she was like, hold on don't do anything, just get your husband back. So I was like, right, okay. So then this one of the lead surgeons came up, which is actually the best thing that's ever happened to me. And actually I'm really grateful for this woman. She came upstairs and she's like, I've just been packing up kinda to wrap up for the day and I've reviewed your file. We have to review and give our consent whether it's okay for you to have this methotroxate. And she went, absolutely not. She's like, as a woman, I am not even advising you, I'm begging you to come to surgery now we've cleared the surgery you're we've cleared all the rest of the day you have to get this out now she went your hormone levels are way too high for even to qualify for this drug I don't even know why you were given it as an option you have to go to theatre now please and there was already like at this point there was like 10 people in the room and I was like oh okay I trust you fuck it let's do it so literally there was people as soon as I said yes they were putting like the stockings on me I was like my clothes were whipped off and I was like okay I didn't really have time to think as I was getting wheeled into theatre and I am the most dramatic person in the world in terms of my body like 
I can be fine, but my body, just from like my childhood and stuff, it just reacts like it's going for an Oscar. So I was like full body shakes, like panicking. And as I was going into the anaesthetist room, Stephen arrived and he's like so sh- I could he is like calm, cool, and collected all the time. Somebody could be dying and he'd be like, it's gonna be okay. He was freaking out. So I was like, oh fuck. So he's like, eh, like, oh, oh, oh my god, what's going on? And I was like, they're just they, they just I need to get it out. See ya, one at a time. Bye. So he literally just kissed me and then I was off. I was so hyped up by adrenaline that I remember the anaesthetist like, okay just count back from 10 I was like fucking all the way back like three two one minus one minus two and she's like okay we're gonna need more <laughs> <laughs> I was like yeah it didn't work so she ended up giving me more and I woke up and I was in absolute agony but it was done and yeah it was all very intense and very very quick and it took me probably took me about a year to get over that not physically it was a long recovery because like three days after my operation I tried to build a book well didn't try I did build a butcher's block from Ikea and pretty much fucked myself up and got staph infection and really hurt myself but mentally it took a long time to get over that just because I was like oh I can't I can't believe that and the one thing Stephen after it was like oh it's okay like it wasn't really a baby yet and I was like no you can't say that bless his heart he was only trying to make me feel better but I was like women are different men have a baby when the baby's born women I had planned its fifth birthday I bought everything in my head I had our whole little family planned and then all of a sudden it was taken away so I think even no matter how I always say that to all my friends like no matter how even if you were a day pregnant you you had that baby it doesn't matter if it was if it just didn't stick and it was it you naturally lost it a few days later but it, it was still a baby you still planned that whole life as women do you do run away with it in your heads so it took a long time so it took about a year and a year and a half I think or maybe just a year when we decided it was time to start trying again and lucky again like I must have the most excited vagina or Stephen's got like super sperm but it just <laughs> it just worked again the first time and he knew it was funny like after after we had sex it was just like oh I think we made a baby and I was like, nah, no, I'm not getting excited this time. And yeah, I refused to believe it. And then I was like, oh yeah, I feel pregnant. But the test was negative. So I got a wee bit drunk. How long did they say, I know that a year and a half until you mentally felt ready, but did they say how long you had to wait before trying to conceive? They said 12 weeks. They, I think it was 12 weeks medically, but I think they do say, well, I, I've seen it the same as any pregnancy to be honest because we are like the shock that your body's been through but I think maybe like I think 12 weeks is what they gave us until I could start trying again but there's no way I was ready absolutely not no then when you started trying again and you got pregnant with who is now James did you have to do any special like early testing or anything yes which is actually a really good thing because I was absolutely petrified I actually didn't publicly announce I was pregnant until I was about 20 weeks I was completely different the second time. I'd still told my friends because I cannot keep secrets. I'll just blot things out in your face. Good to know. Um, not telling you any secrets. I'm pretty cat. sure you told me quite early on and like we yeah. chat via Instagram. I know. And I'm like, I'm like, guess what? Yeah, I'm really bad at keeping secrets. But publicly, I, and my mum was like, can you announce this already? I'm dying to tell the world. And I'm like, no, nah, I'm not ready. So when I just went straight to the doctor as soon as I found out, I was like, listen, I've had an ectopic. I'm pregnant again. What do we do? And she said, 
said, well, you go for an early scan. And they sent me to a special imaging place, like not just your bog standard scan that I went to last time. I actually went to a new place in Ivanhoe, which is incredible for any woman pregnant in Melbourne. My friend actually goes there for her scans now. They're a lot more expensive, I think, because it's private, but they're amazing. They've got psychologists on hand, our counsellors, that they take us both into a room. When I went for that scan, they took us into a room and asked if we want counselling. And then obviously with the genetics test as well, we had to actually, we had to go in a room and sit with a counsellor and talk about genetics and, and all that stuff. So that, that clinic was incredible. We actually did have a lot of support through them. So I don't know whether that is because I just changed doctors and she was amazing or that was because of my topic. But they did actually ask a lot and they do. They did constantly talk about it in my appointments and obviously early scanning. And they're like, it's in the right place. And I was like, just fucking stay in there. So like, oh my God, it's like you get to 12 weeks and then you're like, okay, I've, I've made the 12 weeks. And then you're like, okay, 20 is the next one. I'll make it to 20. And then you're like, I've got genetics test. And then I was like, oh, for fuck's sake. And then it's like, I've got to get them out. And then they're here and you just worry every day as well. So it's a never ending cycle. Isn't it? I know everyone's like, I get to 12 weeks and then I can breathe. I'm no. like, no, nah, I'm pretty sure my parents still worry about yeah. me at 29. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us a bit about your pregnancy. I had the best pregnancy. I think overall, I was just so fucking grateful to be pregnant. So like looking back, because my friend's recently pregnant and then I was like, oh, I had the best pregnancy. And I was like, actually, I was sick as a dog at the beginning. I just forgot all the shit because I was so grateful. Um, so I was actually like, I really just loved every sign of being sick or feeling like shit. I was just like, this is good because it means, it means I'm actually pregnant. So I had really bad morning, noon and night sickness. I don't even know why they call it morning sickness because it's not, I couldn't look at a toothbrush. Brushing my teeth was hell. As soon as I seen a toothbrush, I would vomit. And my bathroom is like the sink and the bath and the shower is on that end of the house and the toilet is way at the other end so I would like vomit down the hallway and Steve he gave up even cleaning up after me he would just laugh and I'm like I'll clean that up then Willa I was like for fuck's sake so apart from that it was actually amazing I could not wait to get a bump and as soon as I got a bump I was like I am going bodycon I have never had a figure to wear bodycon except for being pregnant so I just went and bought all the skin tight dresses I could and honestly just loved the bump I was just shoving it in people's faces <laughs> suddenly you were cook eyes VIP <laughs> pretty much yeah so I had the best pregnancy and I did get gestational diabetes but I actually like see it as a positive so I can't remember when you get the the test it was like 28 weeks I went up to the hospital and I was like oh gearing myself up for this three-hour thing and I was like oh and as you usual I read about a line of information and then I give up and I'm like I'll just figure it out so I went to the hospital actually thought you had to drink the thing three times before every blood test so after the first one oh my god I was sitting in the waiting room and I was like I'm gonna I'm actually gonna die and I was being really dramatic again I was going for the Oscar and I was like oh god I was like I, I can't I can't do this and she's like I went what happens if I'm sick and she went, well, we have, you have to go home and then we need to do it again. I was like, oh, for God's sake. I was like, get me a bin. And I was like, I can't drink another one of those. And she's like, what are you talking about? And I was like, well, you need to drink another one of those things. And she's like, no, you only drink it once. You're being so dramatic. And I was like, oh, it's fine then. I was like, oh, bring it on. So I was like, oh, but I ended up, I had gestational diabetes and I was actually devastated because I class myself as being quite healthy. I'm conscious of what I eat, I exercise, I was active at the time. I take care of myself so I was like why am I sitting in this box with like typically unhealthy people I can't believe I've got this like I'm I'm young I'm healthy I'm fit what the hell but 
it was actually the best thing that happened because from 28 weeks on, I made I, I just made the decision that I would not go on insulin, that I would be, I would control it with my diet. I did not want to put anything in my body while I was pregnant at all. And that's not judgment to anyone who does. This is just personal to me. And I was like, I am so stubborn. I'm Taurus. So I'm like, I'm going to do this. So I literally had no sugar, no carbs, no, no processed foods, no nothing for the rest of my pregnancy. So I was actually like at the best figure I've ever had in my life while I was pregnant <laughs> and my skin was glowing. And Steve the other week was like, I think you should get diabetes again, by the way, because you were like fat ass. <laughs> I want diabetes now. <laughs> and it hit me, didn't you? Honestly, and it just made me really understand nutrition and what I was putting in my body. And it just taught me to really respect how food is fuel and how important it is so I was just like okay buy croissants it's been emotional but I've ate a shit ton now and I've probably got it back honestly I was like what is this promise that everyone says if you breastfeed you'll lose all the baby weight I'm fatter now than I was when I was like there eight weeks pregnant I'm heavier than I was when I was pregnant full term me too that's what happened what to me hell? yeah I still am I don't breastfeed anymore and I'm still bigger I don't <laughs> I know how it works six kilos when I was pregnant and I was like I because I was on strict to strict diet and now I'm like, oh, that's what? what it is. It is that. Because I eat like a machine. Like I didn't eat as bad when I was pregnant because I was so busy and I eat so much like just before we had a mid-break of recording, I had about, what, five blocks of the this chocolate block thing and I kept saying to Sophie, do you want one more? And she's like, no, 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 I'm okay. No, 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 I'm okay. But it's literally because I had five of them. <laughs> if I literally just cut my stuff down, I probably would be a lot healthier and a lot more But I more think fitter. there's two types of people. Like we've said this before, like I lose weight when I'm breastfeeding and other people retain weight when they're breastfeeding. And I just, I just think there's two types of people. And I think also when you're heavily pregnant, there's no room for food. Don't you reckon you go, oh, my God, I'm so hungry, oh, and you gosh. sit down to eat something and you get Get like and eat a blueberry and like I am someone like no matter how full I am I will finish the plate and then probably go for seconds because that's just who I am but when I'm heavily pregnant I'm like I'm so disappointed I can't eat anymore <laughs> because there's just too much in there and you're married to Nick I mean if Steve cooked like that <laughs> we actually we set a deal so obviously after he was born James, not Steve, obviously. I, I just cannot be arse cooking anymore. I've completely lost my mojo. I do not have time to cook for myself and I don't enjoy it, so whatever. And then Steve, I was like, well, I'm feeding our child 24-7, so it's your job to feed me. And you're not going to cook because you're a busy man. So he actually, as a, we both have a trainer now, which is hell on earth, but I'm like determined not to be like a whale. And they recommended this like dynamic macro. So it's like nutritionally balanced. Basically what bodybuilders eat which is just like protein veggies like they literally measure everything with scales to make sure I'm eating exactly what I'm eating it's hell there is no fun in it I'm like oh it's just literal veg and protein with like a a baby spoonful also known as a teaspoonful of coconut oil and that is it so I've been eating that for the last like three months and I'm still I'm still wheel scale so I'm like what's that just I was going to say, moving on, because we're not here to okay. for yeah, macro <laughs> nutrition advice from Bobby yeah, Clark. Yeah, ignore all that boring shit. Was there anything <laughs> you did while you were pregnant to get ready for giving birth? Yes. So this is... He's pointing at the screen like, yes, I do. <laughs> this is one of those things that I tell close friends and I literally, I'm probably going to regret saying this out loud because... 
yes, everyone's going to know what I've done and it's quite embarrassing. But I trained my vagina. It's got to stretch to 10 fucking centimetres. So I stretched it. With what? <laughs> Use your imagination. Giant penises. <gasps> did you really? I did, yeah. yeah actually- and I actually have spoke to someone about creating something for women because like, right, okay. Oh God, here we go. This I'm is brilliant. So, Wait, like, did you use, because the there's a thing called like an epino or something that helps you with perineal massage. Is that what you mean? No, she means a big wide cock. Steve. No, I mean a giant fucking dildo. Yes, Steve. Yeah, he wishes. <laughs> no. <laughs> so did you get different so sizes thing, and work right? your way up? Yes. So yes. the only thing you can do is go to Club X with <laughs> a bunch of like horny old men and look at the fucking dildo selection, which actually is really, really bad because they're all really rough. They've been made by men predominantly. And it's really hard to find. I cannot believe I'm saying this in a podcast. Surely there's online ones. They're not designed for heavily pregnant women to stretch their vaginas with. Fancy that. Absolutely not. See, this is the thing, right? Like pregnancy, birth, periods, everything that we need to know as women, we are not fucking told in school. I believe it should be taught. We need to have these conversations in order to prepare the next woman or your friend. And I'm like, go and buy a giant dildo. Totally. But why don't you just get a vibrator and make that whole thing, like, enjoyable? Not that I would know. because the whole point of it was stretching the fucking thing. Because I'm like, this makes logical sense. And I birthed a boy with a 38.5 centimetre head, the biggest that all my midwives had ever delivered, and I didn't even tear. I was like, before my consent, I was like, I was like, of a tour, please check, of a ripped. And they're like, okay, we're still dealing with stuff down here. It's a hot mess. Give us a minute. So how big big was the biggest... The biggest one that you ended on? <laughs> 10 centimetres in girth. <laughs> Holy shit. Wow. And did Steve help or did you do this on your Steven own? Is, as if I'd done that on my own. Steve's going to – Steve is so <laughs> proud This is hilarious. I really hope he doesn't listen to this. This is the best but, thing like, ever. It makes so much sense. I know, but it's like, – honestly, I was speaking to someone recently and I was like, I really want to – like, I think there's a massive niche in the market, like all these things. Like, you can massage your perineum as much as you fucking want. But people go in just expecting to be able to birth like a watermelon without, like you train everything else. People train for marathons. You you know what I mean? You do triathlons. You even train to become good at your job. You constantly put all that effort into anything that you're passionate about. But when it comes to birth, you've literally got nine months and then your vagina has to go from just being a normal little thing your thoughts, to birthing a giant head. Well, I mean, like I haven't looked at the research, but it sounds amazing and I can already imagine Bobby Clark's aesthetically pleasing line of gradually increasing dildos. Like, I mean, and then her husband's a sculptural artist, so, like, we're done <laughs> and let us know when they launch. But so when did you start? Well, we actually, me and Steve are really, really open with each other to the point it's like we can say absolutely anything. So we're always talking about pregnancy and he actually was like, he was really surprised. He's like, I thought you were going to be a whale when you were pregnant, but I went the opposite way. And we're always talking about like, oh shit, like how am I going to get this head? Because birth is something that I've I've wanted to do for a long, long time. And I think all the preconceptions and stuff went out the window. And I was like, it's literally the one thing in life you can't plan. Personally, for, that's my opinion, not strips anyone else who wants to plan it down to the minute. But I originally thought, like, I've honestly, my favourite thing to watch ever since I was a wee girl is births. I must have watched, honestly, like thousands upon thousands of births in hostel, in rivers, in living rooms. I just watch them on YouTube. Me and my friends send each other them all the time. So I was like, I felt like I had a good idea of what was going on. 
And I was like, I really want a water birth. That couldn't happen for me, obviously, because of gestational diabetes. So I was like, I knew that water can obviously soften things down there. So I was like, okay, how are we going to do this? And he was like, Steve was like, it makes so much sense. You need to stretch it. You need to get it to that capacity first because it can't just go one time. That's obviously why women tear. Their skin has never been used to stretching to that kind of that length so obviously biologically it's meant to happen but you can obviously help it so I cannot believe I just publicly said that but we I stretched my vagina and how what's it like now stretched it's fine I haven't peed myself I go on a like in my mother's group I was like I've bought a little trampoline I've been doing workouts at the back and they're like what you can go on a trampoline I was like yeah I've only peed myself once actually that's why because right after the birth I burst out laughing and wet myself when I was standing in a pair <laughs> of green knickers oh my gosh that's so I was like, do you mean right after you've been birth there's fluids and shit coming out everywhere just pretend it oh, wasn't yeah. even wee like whatever no but yeah so I've not I've not peed myself I can sneeze in public and it's it's went like I'm back training everything went back really quickly which was amazing I mean I, after birth my recovery time was amazing I didn't really bleed I didn't lose a lot of blood during birth. I only wore pads for like, and I wore nappies for like two days. Adult nappies, everyone gets on them. They're amazing. It was, I think it was actually you that like made me buy nappies. I'll take it. I think you made them trendy. Thank you very much. Yes, you did. <laughs> That's really lovely. No, I like swear by them. So good for yeah, the first so much, few days. Yeah, it's just so disgusting, all this sh- fucking stuff. I'm like, Steve, come look at this. And he's like, no, thanks wild but I mean I, I kind of recovered really quick and other than the fact that you had a nice stretchy vagina how was the rest of your birth <laughs> did you go into <laughs> labor naturally uh, no I got induced so because I had gestational diabetes they would let me they actually wanted to induce me at 38 and I was like no I'm getting to 40 and then we'll talk about it so I was really like I'm quite stubborn and I know what I want. So, and I just find the mercy was just incredible. And I think I just want to touch on something as well, talking about preparing for birth. I really found that the birth scene in Melbourne, I I think Byron is really beautiful. I think everyone's really supportive up there. It's just the Byron vibe. But here it seems to be this new thing where it's just like, if you don't choose to give birth at home, people just feel like they need to tell you that it's the patriarchy and your choices are being like ripped away from you, that you're going to almost have a horrific birth. Like you're not going to have a safe space. You're not going to be able to make decisions, which I called bullshit on straight away. I was like, you set the tone. I am in charge just because I give choose to give birth in a hostel in a space after an ectopic that I find safest to me. And I don't own this house. I don't want to give birth in it. Why am I being made to feel like I'm less of a woman or I am being like bogged down by the patriarchy? Everyone just loves saying patriarchy and I get it. I get it's a huge conversation, but when it comes to birth, I actually find it can kind of put fear in women. Like what well, certainly made me feel for a certain amount of time that I was terrified of hostels and I actually didn't have a choice. And I, I got to one point, I was like, I'm deleting everyone off Instagram that is feeding me this stupid information. I'm not going to talk to people who are going to ram things down my throat and their ideals. And I got, I was choosing to have sweeps. They are an option. You can refuse them. And then I actually wanted to get them because if it is actually quite a natural thing to, you know, bring labor on. But I had so many people like, don't do them. They're so evasive. They're so vicious and aggressive. So I was like going into them and I was like, fuck, hold on to the bed. And I was like, oh, fuck, lay on the bed. And she went like that. And I was like, is that it? I got more action when I was like 14. 
I was like, is that it? So I just, at that point, I was like, I'm not going to listen to anyone anymore. <laughs> you might edit out. I was like, I'm not going to listen to anyone anymore. I'm going to do it my way. I'm just going to trust what I feel is right in my body. And that's it. So yeah, the labor, I just was like, I want a calm space. I don't care who's coming in. I'm just going to trust them. You don't become a midwife because you hate people and you hate babies. Midwives love their jobs and they love bringing babies into the world. So you've just got to trust them. So my labor was incredible. I was induced. I went for breakfast. The hospital told me to take my time. And I took that too literal. And like four hours later, they were like, where are you? Shit. The postie woke my baby. Hi, baby. Sorry, guys. Here's my tip. All right, so the day before I got induced, like I kind of got to 40 weeks and they're like, we really want to induce you. It's not safe. The baby's ginormous. He wasn't. We need to get him out, blah, blah, blah. So I was like, okay, we'll schedule it for a Saturday and I'm going to leave it up to fate. If I go into labour before then, it was meant to be. If not, then I obviously needed that little help. So I actually went a massive walk on Friday. I worked up until the Thursday and then I had Friday off and Stephen's like, you're a psycho. You need to go a walk and connect with your body no wonder you've not went into labor because you've been running around like a fucking maniac so i went a big walk um, in scotland actually there is a thing with magpies if you see magpies it's one for sorrow two for joy three for a girl four for a boy and then there's all the way up to seven because i didn't find out the sex and i was like talking to the baby and i was like right okay tell me then what are you you're a boy or a girl and then I heard this noise and I turned around, there was four magpies. So I was like, okay, you're a boy. Is this dumb? Uh, I, I thought in. magpies were just Australian. No, there's magpies all over the world. Oh my God. Your Sophie. magpies are different though. Sophie, uh, how could you? I didn't know either. Yeah, I just thought they were an annoyance in Australia. <laughs> so you get swooped in Scotland too. Damn. They're, they're a lot nicer than Scotland and they don't make those really weird, aggressive noises. They've got different noises, but they are magpies. It's strange. Oh, there you go. They're not as annoying. Anyway, so I went in and because I'd already like felt like I was going into labour, I really thought it was going to happen. Like my mucus plug came and all this stuff was happening. So by the time I got into hospital to get induced, they were like, well, you're already two to three centimetres. Your cervix is soft. So you don't need like, I don't know whatever steps are involved in an induction first. I just went straight to the drip. I think you get gel or something. I don't know. So I got put on the drip, which was actually I don't know any difference so everyone's like it's all more intense but the people that were saying was more intense they, they'd only had one child with induction so how do you know it was more yeah, intense I'm the like, same I've had intense. two with induction it's like that's just labor to me do you know what Sophie you were actually the one person that completely changed my my mind about induction I kept saying to Steve I mean speaking to this chick Sophie and she said this and she said that but it actually really calmed me down because everyone was telling me not to and then I spoke to you and you're like it's totally fine and you completely changed my views on inductions that's like I remember so just, you coming to me and being like everyone is telling me all these horrendous induction stories and I was like yeah. is Goldie a little bit older than James yeah yeah, yeah. and I remember I was like no I had two beautiful induction births and you're like okay I'm just gonna listen to you yeah I'm just gonna listen to that I'll just take the positives so I think I'd just decided to relax about it and then it just it was really nice I remember I had one not so great midwife at the beginning who tried to break my waters just as I'd started the induction drug or whatever the drip and she was really really rough I think she'd just been getting an end of her shift and I could tell she was tired and Steve was kind of starting to get a bit annoyed by her so she she tried to break my waters and was being really really rough and I remember it being really sore and she kept like 
dropping stuff and Steve's like oh, I hope we're fucking shifting soon and he actually stopped her from trying to break oh. my waters he's like nah that's enough they're not they're not ready leave her so then we got a change in midwife and then I had Jessie who was a young Chinese midwife who was just I actually remember when because the first one was really young and I was like I really want because obviously my mum wasn't here she lives in Scotland I didn't have any kind of maternal figures around me so I was like I really want an old midwife so I can have that connection like a mother and I remember Jessie came on and she was really young, Chinese. Like, so we had a bit of a language barrier. Scottish, I mean, everyone struggles to understand Scottish. And I was like, I remember feeling really disappointed. Like, oh, fuck. Like, I really just wanted a mum. But then the second she spoke to me, I was just like, I love you. She was like, I don't even know. She was like a waterfall or a bloody crystal. She just came over. I was on the medicine ball and she put her hand on my stomach. And I was just like, I don't know what you do. I fucking love you. And we sat on the ball and I was starting to have contractions and she just sat with me and we just sat in silence. Steve was watching football on the iPad in the corner. I was like, you just go over there. And me and Jessie just sat and I was just like, I am really enjoying this. And she's like, what? (laughs) She's like, I've never heard anyone say that. And I was like, I'm really enjoying the contractions. And she's like, sorry, you're a freak. And I went, I know, but I just feel like I'm getting closer and closer to meeting my baby. So I managed to go like four hours on my own without any drugs or anything and I obviously like every woman does like I don't want any drugs I want to do this on my own but I actually had a conversation with a friend who's an artist Caroline Walls and she actually told me before I went into bath she went don't fucking listen to anyone you do you and she went no one gives you a medal for doing it on your own if you need help take it that's why modern medicine is what it is and we're very lucky to have it so that kind of conversation I got to like oh is he able to play with a softer toy can you give him a pillow please can you hear it (laughs) yeah I'll give him all the soft stuff yeah he's literally playing with like all the oh no not a bell Uh, yeah so there was a midwife shift it was around the four hour mark so Jessie was leaving and my other midwife Crystal was coming on and I was so deep in like meditation I'm actually I don't meditate I really should because it clearly served me well I was the opposite I'm always loud and talkative but during birth I went inward I went in the zone I was off in another world and I was completely silent And I was so in the zone of counting my contractions and just like really being inward because the one thing I took away from all my research is like obviously the less stressful you are, the softer your body is, so the less pain you'll feel. So then when the midwives changed, I kind of got back in, brought back into the room and I could kind of sense something. And I just remember looking over and there was a bit of a power struggle going on with him. I think they were having a little bit of a disagreement about something. And literally, in that split second, I just felt all the pain. Like my contractions were so bad that I was like arching my back like the exorcist. And I was like, fuck. And Steve came over and he was like, right, let's count them in. And he was looking at the monitor and he's like, you've got one coming, like try get back in the zone. And I just completely lost it. I couldn't get back into this headspace. So I just remember thinking, I was like, I want the epidural. And Steve went, what? what? You said you didn't want it. And I went, I know, but I can't. I've been, I think I was trying for like maybe 20 minutes, half an hour to get back in my headspace and I just couldn't. And I went, I really want a calm birth and I really want to be how I was an hour ago. And I'm not, I, I've, I've went, I'm too far gone. And I just know my body. I've started to feel stressed. I've started to feel panicked. So I just want epidural. And I was like to the nurse, get the epidural set up. She went, oh, it's going to be about, 20 40 minutes and I was like oh fuck so I was on the edge of the bed I was literally like I think I was like biting Steve in there and the soft bit of his arm and he's like what the hell 
but this by the time the anaesthetist came she was amazing the epidural I always thought sounded horrific like it was going to be really scary a big massive jag in your spine I didn't feel it it was absolutely amazing and they actually talked me through everything I think because I was so open I was like I really want a minimal dose if you can I still really want to be able to feel my contractions I want to be able to feel my legs so what they done is they tested me with ice cubes continually through the whole thing is they put I actually had a trainee and I think that's why it was so good because I was like have all the trainees in I don't care and this woman was so diligent because she was learning she kept testing me with the S-cubes like putting them on my face putting them on my chest down my body and I was like I can feel the cold but I can't feel them freezing so I was really lucky I could still feel every single contraction I could feel his head come out which was incredible so it was about an hour pushing after that because I quickly after the four hours I quickly dilated to 10 I think I was in labour for about six maybe seven hours total the epidural was incredible just took my pain away there was a wee bit of like adjusting and stuff that needed to be done but after that it was back into what I was doing and I was I was away in another planet Stephen was like you weren't even there like you were so focused and Steve like they had to get me out of it to talk to me they were like right come back in the room it was like as if I was hypnotized his head wasn't coming around that bend and then a bloody obstetrician came in and I was like oh when someone comes in the room that's not good and she was like we might need to give you a little bit of help getting the baby out thinking maybe a suction cup and I was just like yeah whatever and Crystal went no you look at me right now you've got this we're gonna get that baby out you're not getting a cup she's like your baby's head's gonna be weird you can do it. And Steve was just like, Bob, we, we, you need to do this. I was like, right, for God's sake. But he's, I pushed like, I think for about four minutes straight at one point. And he's like, I actually thought your head was going to pop off. <laughs> and then, <laughs> he's like, I will never forget your face. He's like, I've never seen anyone push harder in my life. It was like, you, your eyeballs went into that film with um, Arnold Schwarzenegger. What is it? Total Recall, but he's in space. Oh, and his eyes burst out of his sockets. Yes, yeah. He's yeah. like, that That was pretty much the scene. <laughs> <laughs> but then the feeling of his head coming out I was like I didn't actually think that that would be an enjoyable experience I thought that would be hell on earth I thought there would be rips and stinging and rings of fire yeah, you did so did all the work oh yeah yeah the, the dolls they've done it all the, 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 the fanny training worked and the head coming out was amazing I was like oh my god he's here and the before I've actually got the picture Sophie I'm surprised I've not seen you uh, I probably have actually no, have I sent you a picture no well, you'll get it after this okay. so before just getting his head around that when crystal was like you need to get this baby out she was like where's your phone give me a, get her phone see take a picture of this and show her so they took photos of my vagina crowning and to show me how close the head was to like spur me on but i've still that's like the only photo i've got of the birth is like the head coming out crowning <laughs> i didn't get any nice fit pictures like after the birth like anything any leading up apart from me crowning so everyone's got that photo. I just, I'm so proud of it. I send it to everyone. It's like the only photo I have. <laughs> but after that, it came out and it was, we, because I had such a straightforward birth, no complications. I was, because my epidural was so good too, I was able to get up and walk around, which is pretty unusual actually from what I've heard. The people with epidurals, they, some of them can be like feeling par- paralyzed and they can't walk about. But because he was absolutely fine, he came out, he was awesome. I should probably... Yeah, he was fine. Yeah, he came out and they left us alone for an hour. They were just like, we'll come back and then we'll do all the checks later. So we were just left on our own for a whole hour, which was incredible, just to feed and, and just sit. And then they came in, done the checks, and then we got taken to, we got a private room because our, my, my birth was so uncomplicated where we were the only birth on the ward that day that didn't have any complications, which was amazing. So we got the partner's room 
which I can't imagine what it's like having a baby and then your partner being sent home. I think that would be fucking hard. So it was great. I loved it. Honestly, like three days later, I was like, I could do that again. And I know a lot of women are like, you're an arsehole. And then was there anything in the newborn days or weeks that were really unexpected that you tell women about now? Oh, Jesus Christ, yes. Your vagina right after birth. Oh my God, that thing is ginormous. I walked to the bathroom and I was like, Steve, it's so big, it jiggles when I walk. <laughs> He's like, come, I'm like, come and look at this. But it goes back like within 24 hours. And I'm like, this is, I was like, oh, if this is what it looks like forever, I'm going to need like reconstructive surgery or like, was, what do you call that? Des- design a vagina? I'm like definitely going to need one of those. But it goes back to normal within 24 hours. So I was like, your vagina goes fucking mental. I suggest you all look at it in fine detail. And then it goes back. But breastfeeding, like I find it so difficult. So I'm like, you need to, uh, any, my friend's pregnant now. And I was like, it's fine. I know what to do now. I'm going to be at your house with food. I'm going to do all these things. Because that's the one thing I struggle with is constantly needing to eat all the time when you're feeding. Like that's bananas. And you don't actually need all the shit that you think you need. You literally just need some baby grows and a couple of blankets you do not need anything else you yeah. need just somewhere to put them some clothes pretty much pretty so, much now you had one of those situations where your baby was sleeping through from like the beginning but then turned <gasps> an unfortunate corner yes. can you tell us about that <laughs> oh my god this child so he was a freak in the hospital the first night he slept for five hours and the midwife comes in she's like you're gonna have to wake that baby and feed it I went no no yes I'm like no I'm not waking a baby up uh you don't do that and she's like well you kind of have to because it's a newborn so then like we got home and he just slept all the time like he started sleeping through honestly I think it was like three four weeks he was doing like eight hours a night and everyone was like this is weird your baby's a real freak and all the mothers because we got a virtual mother's group obviously because of covid and we're comparing it and they're like oh I'm knackered I'm up blah 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 I'm up this amount of time through the night and I was like he's sleeping through I'm really sorry guys but he's he's, but actually it was quite annoying because I got my period back because I was having to go up and express because he was sleeping through um and then he hit six months and then because all we said bragged about it the universe was like well we're gonna laugh at you now so he's up at like we put him down at half six he's up at nine ten sometimes one sometimes two four five he just wakes woke up this morning at like five like cool ready for breakfast and I'm like absolutely fucking not sunshine so yeah and I, I tried to do sleep training I we tried Stephen done it and we done the pattern and stuff for like three nights and then they get a tooth or they go through another regression and nobody tells you you have to just keep doing that stuff. And I am way too lazy and too tired for that. So I was like, bugger it. I just leave him in his cot. And because we, as room's not done up yet, I've, I've had a baby and I've not even got a, a room for him yet. So we sleep in the bedroom that needs finishing and he has our nice room. So I let him sleep in there because, <laughs> you know, he d- he knows clearly that he's in a, a nice decor. So I, he sleeps in there until four. And then if he wakes up after four, I usually just bring him into bed with me. But he's, oh man, he's everywhere now. He started crawling. Like the other morning he woke up at five and I must have fell asleep for a nanosecond. And then I heard this huge bang and he'd like fell off the bed and missed the fireplace. And he didn't even hurt himself. He was just lying there like, Huh. <laughs> I was like, oh shit. <laughs> oh, he fell off the bed. Great. I've broke the baby. But their but brains are just yeah, exploding, aren't they, at that age? Like oh, they're just. Not from falling yeah. off the bed. No, not from, <laughs> not from falling off the bed. <laughs> from developmental issues. He just 
he's so determined and he's just learned so much in this short space of time he went from being like a potato to like he was standing on his own at like six weeks as well I think it was like crazy early like even in the hospital we've got videos of him holding up his head he was just like really independent baby from from the get-go I mean if he's anything like me and Steve we pretty much work 24 7 and we never sit still so we've kind of set ourselves up for failure there so yeah he's crawling he's into everything he goes head first out the back door onto concrete but he, he's good he kind of falls and then just goes and then gets up and gets on with it and how have you found working and being creative since becoming a mother? <laughs> oh, God. So when he was newborn, I took two weeks off and then went back to work because I was like, I'm an independent woman. I've got this shit. I'm not being a stay-at-home mum. I can do it all. Newborn phase is a dream. They sleep for three-hour stretches. Actually, because of COVID, I just put my studio outside. So I was like painting. I was going. I was actually still going up to the studio at that point. It wasn't like harsh lockdown. So I was painting, I was doing all the things. I was taking him to photo shoots, I was just strapping him on. Was in, just had him on me, just attached to me in my life. But then it hit like four months, five months, and then it just was not possible. When you start having shorter naps, like you've got 15 minute naps, like what are you supposed to do with that? And it's just so challenging. So I pretty much, Stephen's like, baby, you're going to have to be a state mum, state home mum. And you're just going to have to deal with it. So that I have done. So I just can't do it. So I done two shoots yesterday before lunch with him, which was... I thought you said two mental. shoots yesterday before lunch. And I was like, well, that's pretty impressive. <laughs> that's a sign of a good day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I did not do two shoots before lunch. Two shoot shoots. Yes. And it's really hard I've not I've not been in the studio for maybe a week and I've got commissions but I'm like now I'm just like they'll happen when they happen I mean I don't have an assistant so I'm doing it all myself every single part of it like website updates like I pick up my prints I sign them I drop them at the post office so I'm like my own bitch so I need I really do need help and now more than ever I'm realizing that if I'm gonna keep going the way I'm going I need help because I don't even have I don't have any family here apart from my brother who lives like 45 minutes away to even watch him for an hour. Like I don't have anyone to take him. So yeah, it's pretty non-existent just now as a struggle. Newborn phase, absolute dream. This crawling stage is currently wrecking the house. It's just, it can't happen. I literally can only work during naps or when he goes to bed. Quickly in two sentences, how how has it been being a new mum in Melbourne in 2020? fucking mental like fucking mental is the only thing it's like you can't even put it into words it's literally you have to think it's good stuff and there's one thing that I know you asked for it in two sentences I can't do two sentences (laughs) you're always told to be grateful like I feel during COVID it's like there's always someone who's worse off than you and there's a lot of people going through a really shit time but I'm also really into feeling your feelings you've got to like you're not really allowed to have bad feelings or feel negative just now which is bullshit no you can have me at my worst and my best thank you and it's been really hard you're robbed of all the things the first things like you're robbed of like my parents haven't even met my baby and they probably won't meet him until he's well after one which is really horrible it's really really hard like the fact that we can't even like the borders are closed domestically but internationally we don't even know when when my parents are going to meet my baby like that's insane and just simple things is like I don't even like the zoo I really don't support the zoo I do when they're like obviously sustaining and and mating animals that are kind of extinct but the 
the most protracted the zoo is bad but I'm like I want to go to the zoo I want to do all the things that I thought I didn't want to do I want to be that new mum I want to go and have mum dates I want to go to the ocean I don't want to wear a fucking mask and it's just it's been really lonely I'm not someone who likes my own company I need people I thrive on people and being on my own since he was born I've seen like a handful of people it's not how I function and I actually think it's changed me I don't know forever but for a it's changed me a lot like I've I've became really weird <laughs> like in what way just, when I, just like when I I've just I'm really bad at communicating normally texts and stuff like I think I've got like 324 unread texts on my phone I'm really bad getting back to people with technology I much prefer face-to-face so now that I'm not really communicating with people I just feel like I've I've let connections go with people and now when I actually see people because you've got nothing to talk about it's really yeah. really difficult like what have you been up to well fuck all staring at the walls it's it's really hard like you don't have that excitement you can't go to art galleries you can't go but well, you might be soon but we've not been able to do anything so even seeing people for the first time after a very long time you're like nothing do you know what I can't wait to get to Byron Byron is just like a space for me that I just need to go to to just relax and I just feel so happy in Byron and everyone's just in the same wavelength and I just feel there is such an incredible sadness in Melbourne like everyone is really having a tough time we've had some I've got a lot of friends and even my brother's been struck like imagine being 22 in Melbourne during a lockdown like what the fuck and it's just like you feel shit but you're also taking on everyone else's stuff too like because you want to because you love them so it's not just I'm not going through this it's like every single person is going through this like everyone is struggling and it is really heavy I've not been able to look at the news or I've actually kind of shut myself off because you get to a point where you're like I I cannot I'm like an empath I just feel like I can hear everyone. I just, I hate going outside because everyone is just, honestly, everyone is on edge. Like it it takes one thing and it's like road rage is just insane. You do one thing. Like if you don't have, I really don't like wearing a mask. I actually struggle to breathe. And I went for a walk in fucking nature around trees. And this, I was, had James in a pram. I was on my own. I wasn't with anyone. And this woman felt the needs to walk by me and go, you're so fucking selfish. Put your fucking mask on. And I went, I have got a baby. I'm on my own. It was Darwin Parkland. So I was like, by a river, there is no one else. Like, did that make you feel really good about yourself? Because you've actually made me feel like shit and you've ruined my day. I cannot wait for just this to pass because it's like, it's a bit too much at times. But fuck, the borders are opening. Get me to Biden Bay. Oh my God, I'm going to hug everyone. I'm just going to lick people in the street. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we can't wait to lick you in real person. I am going to drink so much champagne when I get up there. I'm just going to be like a local dickhead. I'm just going to walk about like handing out free champagne and like kissing people. It's going to be amazing. Head back the ocean. Oh my God, the ocean. Thank you so, so much for taking the time out to chat with us and being so open. You know, it's obviously such a hard thing for you to talk. It seems to be something that you really hate doing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I really appreciate I'm so your shy. <laughs> Thanks, girl. I can't wait to see you in real life. Yeah, thank you. Give James a big cuddle for us. Yeah, I really need to feed this boy before he starts pulling television. Okay, go, go, go. Oh my God. All right. Bye. (laughs) Thanks for listening to this episode of Beyond the Bump. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe and give us a review. If you didn't, good on you. 
You can also follow us on Instagram at beyondthebump.podcast to stay up to date on behind the scenes and future episodes. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.